Part One, Chapters Five and Six of The Swoop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Kristen Hughes. The Swoop, or How Clarence Saved England, by P. G. Woodhouse. Chapter Five: The Germans Reach London. The Germans had got off smartly from the mark and were fully justifying the long odds laid upon them. That master strategist Prince Otto of Saxe-Fenig, realizing that if he wished to reach the metropolis quickly, he must not go by train, had resolved almost at once to walk. Though hampered considerably by crowds of rustics who gathered gaping at every point in the line of march, he had made good progress. The German troops had strict orders to reply to no questions— with the result that little time was lost in idle chatter, and in a couple of days it was seen that the army of the fatherland was bound, barring accidents, to win comfortably. The progress of the other forces was slower. The Chinese especially had undergone great privations, having lost their way near Hlanvar Purguin Gogogoch, and having been unable to understand the voluble directions given to them by the various shepherds they encountered. It was not for nearly a week that they contrived to reach Chester, where, catching a cheap excursion, they arrived in the metropolis hungry and footsore, four days after the last of their rivals had taken up their station. The German advance halted on the wooded heights of Tottenham. Here a camp was pitched and trenches dug. The march had shown how terrible invasion must of necessity be. With no wish to be ruthless, the troops of Prince Otto had done grievous damage. Cricket pitches had been trampled down, and in many cases even golf greens dented by the iron heel of the invader, who rarely, if ever, replaced the divot. Everywhere they had left ruin and misery in their train. With the other armies it was the same story. Through carefully preserved woods they had marched, frightening the birds and driving keepers into fits of nervous prostration. Fishing, owing to their tramping carelessly through the streams, was at a standstill. Croquet had been given up in despair. Near Epping the Russians shot a fox. The situation which faced Prince Otto was a delicate one. All his early training and education had implanted in him the fixed idea that, if he ever invaded England, he would do it either alone or with the sympathetic cooperation of allies. He had never faced the problem of what he should do if there were rivals in the field. Competition is wholesome, but only within bounds. He could not very well ask the other nations to withdraw, nor did he feel inclined to withdraw himself. "'It all comes of this dashed swoop of the vulture business,' he grumbled as he paced before his tent, ever and anon pausing to sweep the city below him with his glasses. "'I should like to find the fellow who started the idea, making me look a fool. Still, it's just as bad for the others, thank goodness.' "'Well, Poppenheim!' Captain von Poppenheim approached and saluted. "'Please, sir, the men say, may they bombard London.' "'Bombard London?' "'Yes, sir. It's always done.' Prince Otto pulled thoughtfully at his moustache. "'Bombard London, it seems, and yet—ah, well, they have few pleasures.' He stood a while in meditation, and so did Captain von Poppenheim— he kicked a pebble. So did Captain von Poppenheim. 
only a smaller pebble. Discipline is very strict in the German army. Poppenheim. Sir. Any sign of our, er, competitors? Yes, sir. The Russians are coming up on the left flank, sir. They'll be here in a few hours. Razuli has been arrested at Purley for stealing chickens. The army of Baligala is about ten miles out. No news of the field yet, sir. The prince brooded. Then he spoke, unbosoming himself more freely than was his wont in conversation with his staff. "'Between you and me, Pop,' he cried impulsively, "'I'm dashed sorry we ever started this dashed silly invading business. We thought ourselves dashed smart, working in the dark, and giving no sign till the great pounce, and all that sort of dashed nonsense. Seems to me we've simply dashed well landed ourselves in the dashed soup.' Captain von Poppenheim saluted in sympathetic silence. He and the prince had been old chums at college. A lifelong friendship existed between them. He would have liked to have expressed adhesion verbally to his superior officer's remarks. The words, I don't think, trembled on his tongue. But the iron discipline of the German army gagged him. He saluted again and clicked his heels. The prince recovered himself with a strong effort. "'You say the Russians will be here shortly,' he said. "'In a few hours, sir. "'And the men really wish to bombard London? "'It would be a treat to them, sir. "'Well, well, I suppose if we don't do it, somebody else will. "'And we got here first. "'Yes, sir. "'Then—' "'An orderly hurried up and saluted. "'Telegram, sir.' "'Absently the prince opened it. "'Then his eyes lit up. "'Gotterdammerung!' he said. I never thought of that. Smash up London and provide work for unemployed mending it. Grayson, he read. Poppenheim. Sir, let the bombardment commence. Yes, sir. And let it continue till the Russians arrive. Then it must stop, or there will be complications. Captain von Poppenheim saluted and withdrew. Chapter 6 The Bombardment of London Thus was London bombarded. Fortunately, it was August, and there was nobody in town. Otherwise there might have been loss of life. End of chapters 5 and 6